Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. Today, I'm going to share my experiences of running Facebook groups, because over the years, I've created several of them. In fact, currently, I have four, all of which serve different purposes or are aimed at different audience groups. But something to bear in mind is that social media moves fast. New updates are released. Companies change their missions and visions. And of course, society changes. So what worked for me five years ago isn't what works now, and equally, what works now may not work in the future. So when you get stuck into any form of social media, it's always a good idea to keep an eye on trends. You could sign up to their company updates, or you can follow specialists online. Now, whether you're looking to revive an existing group, boost the results of a group that's already active, or are thinking of creating a new one, this episode is going to be a good one for you. Here's what I'm going to unpack. I'll start by talking about why Facebook groups in particular can be a great choice, since there are other community building apps. I'll move on to the different types of groups you can create, and I'll finish with ways to boost engagement and results. If you want to hear some insights from me and some others who are experienced Facebook group admins, then you can for free. On Friday, the 1st of July at 11am UK time, I'll be taking part in a roundtable discussion in the Love Tutoring Festival, hosted by qualified tutors. And in our discussion, we'll be focusing on how tutoring businesses can use Facebook groups. So that's Friday, the 1st of July at 11 a.m. UK time. And you can grab your free ticket by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're listening to this after the 1st of July, I'll be running an in-depth workshop on using Facebook groups as a tuition business very soon. So if you don't want to miss that, then follow this podcast and do join my Facebook group, Upgrade Your Education Business. I always give my group members first priority on anything that I offer. Now, if you've decided that Facebook is a good platform for your business, and to be honest, it is for a lot of businesses because of how people use the platform, groups are definitely something to consider. This is because Facebook currently prioritizes groups over business pages. If you look at their mission statement, they want to build communities. In fact, I recently noticed that they've changed the word groups to communities, but I'll stick to calling them groups to avoid confusion. Now, this means that even if you have a business page, which I do for my tuition business and I maintain it, your group content is likely to get in front of more eyes than your page. And this really ties in with one of the main advantages of creating groups. Instead of your content reaching loads of people, you can make it reach the right people. See, a Facebook page is much like a shop window. You can't really stop people from walking by and checking out your content, but a group can be more focused. You can control who enters. You can collect information before you let them in, which is great for building your email list, by the way. And all of this means that you can create a captive audience 
and you know exactly what content they want. Now, there are many apps that allow you to create an online community similar to Facebook. And really to decide which is right for you, you need to get into the shoes of your group members, the people you want joining the group. And tutors, this might be different to the people you work with. You might work with young people, but parents and guardians might be who join your groups. So understanding which platform they're most likely to engage with is crucial. For instance, if you want to create a community with teenage students, you'd have to find out whether they even use Facebook. But if your audience are already on the platform, here's why I choose Facebook over other apps. Since they prioritize groups, there's a lot of effort being poured into the tools that group admins have access to. And honestly, they're pretty good. For instance, you can have guides in there that can be used in many different ways. One way could be to offer group members a free course, or maybe you could use it to share and categorize resources. In groups, you can run polls, which have been and continue to be invaluable to my business. You can create private events and a lot more. I also read that Facebook are rolling out or planning to allow people to monetize groups, so you could even use it as part of your business offering. But running a group is hard work. Getting the right people in is only the first part. After that, you need to have a strategy that keeps them in the group and keeps them engaged. Otherwise, you won't get the results you want. So knowing the purpose of your group is really important, which moves me to the second thing I said I'd talk about. In my experience of joining and running Facebook groups, there are four types. Number one, discussion-based groups. Number two, business-based ones. Number three, marketplace style ones. And number four, networking groups. I'll talk about each and how you might be able to use them in your education business. In discussion-based groups, the members are who keep the hub of activity going. They ask questions, they share experiences, they debate, they comment on content. And as the group leader, so to speak, you might still prompt discussions and promote your services and products once in a while, but you rely on the community to keep the activity going. So typically, these are things like support groups and digital staff rooms. Now, this is a great way to build a large community. And one way you might want to use it in your business is if you want to be a kind of group expert or if you want to nurture a real community feel, maybe even get others involved in leading the group. But one thing that I think is quite important is to be transparent. If you use it as a way to build up numbers and then change the focus where you're selling to people and promoting quite heavily, in my opinion, that's really off-putting. Because when I join a group, I base my decision on what that group promises to offer. If suddenly something completely different is happening, that's okay because you can change your mind, but I'd prefer that to be communicated to me, perhaps in the form of announcements. If, however, a group admin just changes the focus and suddenly starts selling to me when the group was established as a discussion-based one, I would lose trust. In fact, I have been in that position and I left the group. So some people do use it as a strategy to build up large numbers before they sell to them. But my personal preference is to be transparent because I want people to trust me. And when you run these kinds of groups, there's no harm in branding it and making it really clear that it's associated to you or your business. 
but you just have to be clear on what culture you want to create. The second type are business-based groups. And this is where a business very clearly leads the group and members generally rely on the group owner to publish fresh content. That content might still prompt discussions, which really is what you want regardless of the type of group you create. But ultimately, it's led by you as opposed to the community, like discussion-based groups. Now, I have a couple of these styles of groups for my tuition business. And the advantage of this is that, firstly, when someone chooses to join, they know the deal. And they're essentially giving me permission to promote my service and products to them. Not that that should really be the primary focus of a group. But still, people are likely to be more responsive because they've given you permission. And the second advantage is that you can really create targeted content. For instance, I have a group that's just for parents of GCSE students. So unlike my page, which is quite general, in my group, the helpful tips and what I promote is completely relevant to what they're interested in. Now, the downside of business style groups is that engagement can be a little low. In my experience, your content will reach a good proportion of group members, but if there aren't many comments or reactions, then it does impact the reach somewhat. But having said that, I do get a lot of new inquiries through my group, and the most common opening line in messages that I see is, my child has been finding your post so useful, do you have any available tuition slots? So what that tells me is that even though I don't get masses of engagement, staying on people's radars is still really valuable. Another business style group that you can create is one that supports existing clients. And to be honest, the one that I have for the Tutors Mastermind members is probably where the members and me get the most out of it. And I think this is because its purpose is so very clear. And there's a huge level of trust because they've met each other in group coaching calls. So for instance, when we did a session on writing content that converts, people were writing sample social media posts and asking members for feedback. So I think that having a really clear purpose is key because then group members know exactly how to use that space. And I think the biggest mistake I've made in the past is not having a clear focus that's communicated to the community. The third type of group are marketplace style ones. You know the type, they're where businesses essentially advertise what they offer and people who are interested can join to essentially go shopping. Now these groups can be very broad or they can be more niche. For instance, there are groups that are solely for parents to find private tutors. I think these are valuable spaces, especially when the group is run well. But if you're looking for something that will specifically get results for your business, they can be tough. I have seen some groups where the group admin can promote their services and products, but if anyone else wants to, they have to pay. So I suppose that that's one way to bring more money into your business. But with the current tools available to us, it's quite a big admin job to track who's paid and therefore can advertise. And the fourth type are networking groups. I'm a member of a few of these, for instance, there's a great one where you can look for podcast guests and for opportunities to be a guest on other podcasts. I've seen some businesses run these kinds of groups where you can use the group for free, but if you want to take part in more structured networking, then you pay. But regardless of what style of group you create, there's one thing that's at the heart of any successful group. 
And that is something that I'm certain we'll be discussing in Friday's roundtable discussion, and that is community. If people want to see loads of promotional material from you and only you, then they can get that from connecting with you on social media or however you market yourself. They don't need to join a Facebook group for that. So when you do create or revive a Facebook group, it's a really good idea to think about what kind of community you want to create. And if you're led by that, you're more likely to get the results you want because people understand what they're opting in for. And if they choose to stay, even if they don't engage much, they're still choosing to stay, which means that you must be doing something right. Another thing that's pretty important with groups, in fact, with any form of social media content, is to try and get as much engagement as possible. Ideally, you want groups to be full of interesting activity. And honestly, it's probably the hardest thing to achieve. I definitely have times when I struggle. And like I mentioned earlier, the one that works really well for me all of the time is the one that supports the members of the Tutors Mastermind, which makes sense. But here are some ways to boost engagement, which is especially useful if you're trying to revive a group. One way is video content, especially if you can go live. Now, this is my weak spot. I just struggle to find the time to do this, but I do have some great ideas up my sleeve for Upgrade Your Education Business Group. And hopefully at some point soon, I'll be able to make space to focus on it. But a few ways you can use video content could be to host Q&A sessions. You could provide little teaching snippets. You can have fun events that really gets the community together. Another way is to ask interesting questions when someone requests to join your group. That you can find in the membership questions when you're setting up your group. Now, on this note, I would always advise creating a private group, even if non-clients are welcome to join. This creates a safe space and gives you an opportunity to find out more about your members. So you could ask them questions around what kind of content they'd love to see. And it's a good place to collect email addresses maybe in exchange for a lead magnet. Lead magnets are powerful. Not only do they work hard for you in the background to position you in your niche to help you make sales, but if you want to grow your group, it's a great incentive for people to join. I won't digress and talk too much about this today because tomorrow I'm running an in-depth workshop on it, which you're very welcome to join. But when it comes to Facebook groups, I like to think of it as a nice welcome present for people. And here's one thing that applies to all forms of marketing. Show up consistently. Notice that I didn't say frequently because you need to create a schedule that works for you. If it works for you, then it'll be sustainable. And if it's sustainable, then you'll be able to be consistent. So decide how often you're going to post in your group and commit to it. I find it useful to put this into my calendar. And speaking of calendars, so you don't struggle with what to write, one thing that can help is to create a content calendar. How you construct your content calendar depends largely on how you want to structure your marketing. For instance, for my tuition business, I record all the seasonal events that are relevant, like Christmas or exam periods, and it helps me to schedule content well in advance that will be current when it's published. For Upgrade Your Education Business, I like to give my Tutors Mastermind members a head start before they come to our group coaching sessions. So I plan my podcast episodes according to the topics we plan to deep dive into. But I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. 
because it really is the key to nurturing any successful Facebook group. Build a community, create a space for like-minded people to connect.